Podcasting Radio, where we talk about data, cloud, analytics, and AI with different guests, different hosts, and in different segments. This segment is called Data Update, where we share interesting stories from the community or talk about the topics that we find interesting. In this podcast episode, I would like to describe five trends in the data and AI landscape. Those trends are related to topics such as, for example, responsible AI, MLOps, modern data platforms, the cloud, data residency, and data auditing, and data mesh. So if you are interested in those topics, please continue listening. Those are also the trends that I see the most often in my daily work and in the community. In my daily work at Getting Data, we implement various end-to-end big data projects together with almost 30 customers worldwide. So this is a massive data point for me to capture the current trends based on the needs and the projects that our customers have. Regarding the community, I spent a lot of time reading articles, listening to podcasts, watching webinars, and also talking to people. However, the most important in the context of this podcast episode is the fact that I'm also one of the organizers of the Big Data Tech Warsaw Conference. This is quite large event, and the last edition of this conference was scheduled in April 2022. To organize this conference, we had to do quite extensive research to identify experts in the community who could give uh, presentations about interesting but still relevant topics. We also organized the call for presentations process where a lot of experts from the community submitted their ideas for the conference presentations and we reviewed all of them and we decided which of them will be included in the conference agenda or not. So hopefully the time that I spent on organizing this conference together with my colleagues will give me additional data points to study the current trends in the data community. And if you wonder why I don't uh, talk in this podcast episode about topics such as blockchain, cryptocurrencies, or quantum computing, this is because we don't work on those topics with our customers currently, and we also didn't have experts speaking about them at our conference in Warsaw. Maybe this will change in the future, who knows? And if this happens, I will definitely record new podcast episode about them. But let's start talking about the trends that I prepared for you today. First of all, I see that AI and ML is now visible everywhere, in every sector, including, for example, advertising, healthcare, education, finance, automotive, public transport, manufacturing, security, and in my personal opinion, unfortunately or not, government. And I guess that each company on our planet is asking the question, what AI can do for my business? Or how AI can help me? And in many cases, they find pretty good answers. However, based on the content of our conference, I see that retail and especially 
e-commerce become one of the hottest sectors for AI and ML. At our conference in Warsaw, we had so many presentations given by people who work with data and analytics at uh, global e-commerce players such as Shopify, Zalando, eBay, and also from local retailers such as Ika Gruppen, which is the largest grocery chain in Sweden, at least as far as I know, or from local e-commerce marketplaces such as Allegro, Uh, which is the largest e-commerce marketplace in Poland that is currently more successful here than, for example, Amazon. And the growth for data and AI in the the retail and especially e-commerce sector was fueled by COVID-19. Of course, well, well, maybe not by the COVID-19, but more precisely by the way how governments and people responded to COVID-19 because the governments distributed a lot of money directly to customers in form of stimulus money. Also, the central banks slashed interest rate almost to zero uh, so that many people were able to get very cheap credit. And also, people rushed to buy new stuff such as electronics, uh, sporting goods, health and personal care goods. And also they often bought bigger houses or they renovated their existing homes to design their home offices to work uh, remotely or maybe they renovated rooms for kids so so that they could do homeschooling during the lockdowns. So of course this increased the sales of furniture, building materials and so on. And a lot of such products have been sold online so many retailers accelerated their growth of their digital channels and they improved their e-commerce websites and mobile apps. They also improved their chatbots. They added uh, also visual search functionalities and so on. So the fundamentals in 2022 and 2021 from the macro perspective were great for data and AI in the retail and e-commerce sectors. Well, this year might be a bit more challenging uh, because of the rising inflation, rising interest rates and also rising costs of living. And this will likely decrease the net profits of companies such Target, Amazon or Walmart. But I will get back to this topic later in this podcast. But let's first take a look at the retail and e-commerce industries from the data and AI perspective why they are so hot, in my opinion. Well, in my opinion, they are hot for many different reasons, and I will try to explain them now. First of all, in this sector, you can analyze many different types of quite useful data. For example, in finance, you focus mainly on time series data. In media, internet companies, you focus mainly on clickstream events. But in retail and e-commerce, you can have almost everything. Clickstream, plain text, images, voice, and even videos. 
This is because the interactions with uh, consumers happen in many different places using many different channels. So, for example, consumers shop online using the website or mobile apps. They go to physical stores to meet real cashiers or use smart hardware for payments, for instance. They also can talk using uh, text in chatbot windows, or they can speak using their voice to some other bots. And by the way, according to the recent Ubisoft report, one out of five consumers is willing to buy goods from a chatbot. So this is very interesting data point. And also, more and more people shop using visual search. And according to data that I found in the internet, 62% of millennials prefer, uh, prefer visual search tools to any other search technologies because, simply speaking, visual information is more convenient and more useful for them than text information. And when you speak about visual search, you can also think about metaverse or multiverse. So, for example, today we have smart mirrors that can recommend clothes for you and you can see how you look in those clothes in your room. But uh, if we go to Metaverse, it will open a lot of more opportunities and possibilities for retailers. So, for example, they can recommend you clothes and you will be able to see how you look in them, not in your room, but in different country, for example, where you would like to go for vacation. Or maybe you could also check how you look, uh, how your wife and you look together if you go to opera. So they will be able to recommend you perfect clothes for perfect event that you would like to attend in a given location. For example, different country, different city. And this will definitely generate a lot of complex real-time data. And the different types of data, of course, will require defining and implementing a good omnichannel strategy and also defining customer journey so that retailers and e-commerce companies will be able to leverage this data for many different business use cases. And this brings me to the second reason why I think that the retail and e-commerce industry is so hot in case of AI and ML. And this is because there are many different interesting and useful use cases for analytics at those industries. So, for example, there are many different units, such as logistics, delivery, customer support, and e-commerce. And there are many different use cases, such as uh, dynamic product pricing, product recommendations, analyzing public customer reviews in the internet or reporting adverse events as soon as possible, where you can definitely apply a lot of data, analytics, and what is the most important, the domain knowledge. And you will also find many cross-unit use cases, such as forecasting or predictions. And having so many different data sources and so many different units at a large company, and usually retailers are very large, very international, and this introduces a lot of complexity. And such complexity might also require the adoption 
uh, of concepts like data mesh or something similar to make sure that the data is properly collected, accessed, governed, and analyzed. And in many cases, this data should be also analyzed very fast, ideally in the real time, because if you process data in real time, you can get more value out of your data. So for example, you can recommend perfect products right now when your consumers are browsing your website or navigate through uh, the mobile app. Or maybe you can quickly discover the issues uh, with your supply chains. Also, successful retailers, in my opinion, should have their MLOps platform working very well so that they can quickly iterate on their AI and ML models. And this is especially important today when we have so many so-called black swan events, for example, COVID-19, the war in Ukraine after invasion by Russia, or the rising inflation, or possibly even stagflation or recession in the future. And those events can suddenly make their AI and ML models not working so well and needed to be re-implemented or retrained because the consumers have changed their shopping habits dramatically. In other words, in my opinion, successful retailers should now become truly tech companies that simply happen to sell some products such as clothes, cosmetics or Lego bricks. By the way, maybe you know that Lego has recently announced that it's entering the long-term partnership with the Epic Games to shape the future of Metaverse to make it safe and fun for kids and their families. The CEO of the LEGO Group said that kids enjoy playing in digital and physical worlds and move seamlessly between the two. So this, was, this will likely generate a lot of complex data, such as voice and videos, that will be processed in real time with many different AI and ML use cases on top of it to make sure that this is fun and safe for kids and families. And of course, this will open a lot of business opportunities for companies such as Lego that can offer their products in the metaverse or analyze the behavior of their customers in the metaverse. I don't know how fun the metaverse will be for my two kids and my wife because we don't even have the TV set, but I'm sure that if Metaverse has to be safe and fun for kids and their families, it will have to meet many regulations. Those regulations are often called together as responsible AI. The most important parts of responsible AI can include secure AI, ethical AI, explainable AI, and interpretable machine learning. This is also the trend that I see that companies and data scientists are talking more often about. This is also the topic that governments are discussing as well. For example, the European Union is working on so-called the EU Artificial Intelligence Act that will introduce many strict compliance, technical and monitoring obligations for AI solutions, especially for so-called high-risk AI systems. I will not talk much about those regulations because at our blog post 
at Getting Data webpage, we wrote uh, the summary of them. So I encourage you to read them if you are interested in that topic. We'll also record a podcast about uh, this topic, so please subscribe us. Uh, however, I would like to mention only that I assume that those regulations will likely introduce some barriers to entry for smaller companies that will have to put more legal and engineering resources to comply with them, especially if they currently don't have their own legal teams. I also assume that it will be much easier for large companies such as Facebook, Amazon or Google to comply with all those regulations because they already have their own legal and engineering teams, they know the local law in many countries, in regions, they have a lot of experience in those topics and they have all resources that are or will be needed to comply with those regulations. But please don't get me wrong, I would like to say it clearly that I know how powerful AI and ML can be, that it should never be abused, and therefore there should be well-designed regulations to protect people, protect their kids, protect their privacy, protect their personal data and personal life. So if you are not careful with AI and data, you should never build an AI system. This, this is clear for me. However, uh, we should also remember that if we introduce some regulations that are possible to meet uh, by many companies from technical and monitoring perspective, but it would be very difficult to meet from bureaucracy, paperwork and legal perspective, then only big players will be able to comply with them and they will become even bigger. Earlier in this podcast, I mentioned that this year can be more challenging for the retail and e-commerce companies, but actually to be more precise, I should say that it can be more challenging for their end consumers because their purchasing power will be diminished. This is because of many micro-level fundamentals, such as rising inflation, rising interest rates, supply chain issues, and all those factors that I mentioned can actually lead to recession, or at least the official recession in the US. Recently, Walmart and Target have published their financial reports for the first quarter of 2022, and those financial results were very disappointing. And what was even more important, the guidance for the next quarters was also very disappointing from the financial perspective. But please remember that AI and ML perspective is totally different than financial perspective. Of course, they are related because you need to have money to build successful AI and ML solutions, but many of those companies actually have a lot of money. So you can think about Amazon, Apple, Walmart, Nike, IKEA and so on. And in 2020 and 2021, many retail and e-commerce companies invested a lot in AI and ML to accelerate their digital channels and improve their e-commerce platforms, to add more functionalities 
because the demand from consumers who shopped online was so big. However, in 2022, even if this demand is reduced, I assume that they will still adopt a lot of AI solutions that will simply help them to, for example, reduce the increasing costs or automate more processes to make them more efficient and cheaper. Maybe they will introduce totally new processes that are cheap and efficient from the day one because they will be done by algorithms. I also assume that they will build AI models uh, to discover better pricing and inventory strategies to sell right products for right time to right audience uh, in a given time. Of course, it might happen that some companies will run into troubles, they will not be able to sell as many products as they usually do, or maybe they will not be able to pass their increasing costs to end consumers, but still I think that many companies will be growing very fast because, as I mentioned, they will be able to uh, sell right products to their customers for right price and they will make it efficiently. So my statement is that I'm not sure if the retail and e-commerce industries will be growing in terms of sales, in terms of financial numbers, but I assume that the adoption of data and AI solutions in those sectors will grow significantly because still there are many interesting business use cases there and still actually many ways to reduce costs uh, for them using AI and data. The second trend that I would like to describe in this podcast is the fact that companies are building new type of data platforms that are easier to use for their employees. This type of platform is often called modern data platform, but what is actually modern about them is that they they use quite new technologies such as uh, Snowflake, DBT, Databricks, Fivetran, or Herbite. What is old about them is the fact that they uh, support SQL as the main data processing language. People in the big data community often say that tools and technologies change fast, but SQL is always here to stay. And SQL doesn't only stay there, but also it has bigger adoption. So in the modern data platform, also what is actually modern is the the fact that the whole ETL and data analytics pipelines can be implemented in SQL, what makes it easier. And this is this is very important and very useful because we see also companies that have hard time recruiting Python, Java or Scala engineers so that they build their data solutions with SQL only and intentionally choose not to use uh, technologies such as Spark, Flink and use Snowflake or BigQuery for everything including ETL, analytics and data science using SQL and built-in functions. According to my knowledge, uh, this way of working introduced a new role called analytics engineer. 
And the implication of this trend, in my opinion, is that the entry barrier for people to work with data will be lower because there will be easier actually to use new tools and new technologies and SQL will be enough to learn to efficiently analyze uh, your data. This also means that new skills will be in demand. Uh, for example, you would like to hire very creative people who are able to ask write questions about your data, your users, your business, because very often they will be able to find also answers to those questions by themselves using SQL or some BI tools. Uh, they would be able to implement the whole uh, ETL and analytics pipelines without the need of asking other uh, engineers to implement um, complex Python or Scala code. However, there are still, of course, companies that can attract Python, Java or Scala engineers, such as uh, Shopify, Zalando or CrowdStrike. And all of those companies actually presented at our conference this year. All of them use public clouds, such as AWS or GCP, but they decided to include many open source technologies in their stack, such as Kafka, Iceberg, Spark, Trino or Flink. And it turns out that if your company has the necessary engineering uh, competences, own DevOps team and some scale, of course, it might be beneficial to take the advantage of managing and using some open source technologies in the cloud in yourself and implement the, the pipelines in different programming languages than SQL. When speaking about the cloud, the third trend is actually the public cloud. It's of course quite obvious trend, but it has accelerated uh, during last two years since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. And currently all innovations happen in the cloud, so all data-driven companies migrate there from their on-premise infrastructures, or they simply start uh, their data journey in the cloud from day one. However, one of the interesting trends in the cloud is data residency. Simply speaking, data residency refers to the geographic locations where your organization stores the, its data. And if you use the cloud, your data is physically stored in countries where your cloud providers, such as Microsoft, Amazon or Google, have own data centers. And in many cases, it can be a different country than the country where your company and where your customers are located. And uh, today, companies have to comply with many local and regional laws and regulations uh, that describe where data can be stored and if the data can be uh, transferred outside of a given country or region. This applies especially to companies from the healthcare, telecom and banking sectors and probably a few more. And one interesting example is Ikevia, an, uh, an international healthcare company that has migrated to the cloud and they face many interesting challenges there. They talk about them at our conference in Warsaw. And simply speaking, they are building a unified 
global platform for processing electronic medical records. However, data governance and data residency is very important functionality for them and it impacts how their data platform architecture looks like. So, in other words, they would love to build as unified solution as possible, but they need to take into account many local requirements such as privacy, security, governments that are different in various countries. I also noticed that multinational companies that are present in many different countries follow cloud agnostic approach and they try to use technologies that can run on any cloud and those technologies can be for example Kafka, DBT, Snowflake, Databricks and Looker and this simply helps them to unify their platforms, their technology stack and this is especially important if there is a probability that some units in some countries will need to use one cloud provider that is different than what other units use in other countries. I also start hearing the term cloud agnostic in a new context. Usually when you say multi-cloud or cloud agnostic, you think about companies that try to use multiple cloud providers in their data strategy. However, recently I started hearing the term multi-cloud engineers and those are engineers who would like to work with different clouds, but using uh, the same technologies, such as Snowflake, Kafka, and Flink, so that they simply can reuse their skills and experience and become productive in each project they work on from the day one. And I think that it makes a total sense because there are so many big data technologies available those days, so it's not possible for a single person to know all of them. Also at Getting Data, for example, we have architects who would like to specialize only in GCP-specific technologies, or we have data engineers who would like to work mainly in real-time streaming projects with Flink, Beam, or Dataflow. And we also have analytics engineers who would like to use as many cloud agnostic and open source technologies as possible, such as uh, DBT, Airflow, Snowflake, and Looker, uh, that are often uh, the big parts of the modern data platforms that I mentioned earlier in that podcast. This, of course, introduces some complexity for us at Getting Data to build strong competencies in so many different technologies, but we intentionally do that. And we do that from the day one, also when getting data was much smaller, now we are a bit bigger, uh, because our desire was to always advise uh, our customers with their best interest and choose the technologies that are simply the best for their use cases. However, it's, it's obvious that our life could become much simpler uh, when uh, when there are more and more good cloud agnostic technologies because there are chances that they will become simply the best choices uh, regardless of the cloud that we and our customers are working on. So we could reuse even more uh, competences and more knowledge that we gather from other projects. 
However, we also know the reality that the big data landscape changes so fast so that every year or two we see new game-changing technologies that become so popular so we include them in our solutions and build, com and build competences in them. Uh, one of those areas where there is a lot of innovation and I'm sure that new technologies, new projects uh, will be created uh, sooner than later is data quality and data auditing. And this brings me to the trend number four. The trend number four is the rapid development of data quality and data auditing solutions. Those topics were actually covered by presentations given at our conference by Shopify, AIDoc and CrowdStrike, and we also implement them with our customers at Getting Data. By data auditing, I mean making sure that your data is complete, that you don't miss any records, and that you have basically collected all data that belongs to a particular period of time, for example, a day to create a daily dashboard, and for example, you don't have any duplicates after some crash. This is very important if you would like to put more trust to your data and use this data to make strategic decisions or implement business-critical AI and ML models. In my opinion, it's not that easy to build a good data auditing solutions because you need to know a lot about technical details of the technologies that you use to collect and process your data. You also need to understand your data and how your data producers produce it and how your uh, consumers consume it. And there are many corner cases. And it may happen that you have different teams that collect different data sets using a bit different technologies, so they require a bit different data auditing solutions. At our conference in Warsaw, there was an interesting presentation about the design process behind data auditing solution system that was built at Nielsen. And this system was implemented using a few popular open source technologies in the AWS cloud. I recommend you to watch this presentation if you would like to learn more about data auditing. And you can see a real world example of the architecture and implementation of such a system at large company such as Nielsen. The fifth trend is about data access. Today companies have more and more data and for this reason uh, new tools for data cataloging and data discovery are developed. The examples are Marquez, Amundsen or Google Data Catalog. Also, new concepts for data access and data ownership are proposed, such as Data Mesh. And Data Mesh is a very interesting uh, concept. The main principle of this concept is to distribute the data ownership to the domain-specific teams that manage, own and serve uh, this data as a product. I will not talk much about uh, data mesh here right now because soon I will record a new episode of the 
data journey segment of our podcast with Max Schulze from Zalando, who will explain the concept of data mesh and describe how it was introduced to Zalando. I would like to conclude this podcast episode with a few ideas how you can actually follow those trends. First of all, use public cloud because this is where the innovation happens today. So if you would like to benefit from uh, from them, you should definitely be there. Of course, if you use public cloud, you don't have to limit yourself to products that cloud providers such as Google, Microsoft or Amazon offer, but you can also explore many good open source projects as they work seamlessly on top of the cloud. For example, Kafka, Flink, Amundsen, Marques, uh, and so on. Also, currently SQL is the main focus for many innovators in the data and AI landscape. So you should definitely have analysts or even analytics engineers in your company that use SQL on a daily basis and they might be able to simplify uh, some of your data ingestion and data engineering uh, pipelines with modern uh, technologies that, uh, that are part of the so-called modern data stack uh, where you can use SQL language only. Regarding the, the data ingestion, I would recommend you to do an exercise to ingest new type of data source into your data lake and ask your colleagues to use actually this data. Uh, this way you can check how easy or how difficult for you is to bring more data to your platform. This is important because today the number of data sources that are consumed by, by companies are growing and growing. So your data lake should be able to ingest new different types of data as easily as possible. Uh, you can also, uh, by doing this experiment, you can also check whether it's easy for others actually to understand and discover this new data set and whether, for instance, your data is automatically validated or audited. So you can find what are the pain points, what are the missing functionalities, and based on that you can uh, prepare the roadmap how about how to um, extend the functionality of your data lake to make sure that, um, that new data sources are easy to ingest and also easy to consume for, um, for uh, stakeholders. Last but not least, look at data mesh to check if this gives you some interesting ideas, how different teams in your company can work together. Maybe you can run a small PLC to, um, to, to distribute some data set as a product that would be um, um, collected, uh, structured, analyzed, owned and governed by one of your teams. This concludes this episode of the podcast. I mentioned five trends that I noticed before and during the recent edition of Big Data Tech Warsaw conference and also based on what I see when we work with various uh, customers at Getting Data on their big data projects. As you know, the data and AI landscape changes very fast. 
because this is the sector with a very fast speed of innovation. There are many new names, many new concepts, new buzzwords that you haven't heard too often a year ago, but today it's, it's likely that you hear them everywhere. Data Mesh, Modern Data Platform, Data Lakehouse, Reverse ETL, AutoML and Analytics Engineer are only a few examples. I'm sure that we'll cover most of them in the next episodes of the Radio Data Podcast, so I strongly encourage you to subscribe us on Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts and some other podcasting platforms that you like, as well as follow us on social media. Uh, Thank you for your listening today.